Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Score! The Cards win! The Cards win! They walk them off! The Cards win! And they see new life here in Omaha! You're listening to the 3rd and Central Podcast. Powered by the State of Louisville. Now, here's Matt McGavick. Picture this. Early February 2022. Or really, whatever year have you. It's starting to warm up outside. It's starting to not get dark at 6 p.m. The sun is starting to break through. The birds are maybe chirping, depending on what you like. And then, all of a sudden, out of nowhere... A baseball appears. That's right, folks. I know that's the weird, probably the weirdest intro you'll ever hear on this podcast, but we're back. Welcome into the third and central podcast, the one, the only Louisville baseball centric podcast here on the State of Louisville Network. I'm Matt McGavick, joined by my buddy Matt Sikovic. And man, I'm just, I don't know about you, man. I'm ready to finally talk baseball again. It's been a, it's been an odd athletics year up to this point, so to speak. So, I, I'm ready to talk, get back to my bread and butter and, and talk uh, talk uh, diamond sports. Yeah, you know, fortunately for myself, I only cover Louisville baseball. Um, for you, <laughs> I'm covering football and basketball the past couple months. Uh, there really hasn't been much to talk about, so I don't know how you're coming up with any content right now. Um, but that being said, uh, you know, baseball's right around the corner. The time we're recording this, we're less than a week away from college baseball starting. After missing the tournament last year, I think we're all just ready to get back in the swing of things and get Louisville baseball back on the right track. Absolutely. And before we really kick off this episode, first and foremost, I want to say, I'm sorry, y'all. I know it's it's been months since we last recorded. I mean, we believe us, we had every intention on doing a couple other episodes over the summer, doing an episode on uh, fall ball, talking about the pizza bowl. Uh, maybe some other stuff based on what was going on in MLB because, you know, we had had a guy win the World Series. You know, that's stuff to talk about. But um, Matt kind of touched upon it. I'm busy covering every other Louisville sport because of my job with Sports Illustrated. And unless you've been living under a rock, it's it's not been a quiet news cycle, <laughs> especially in the last <laughs> couple months. I mean, the university loses their president, loses their AD. Oh, yeah. And the, and the head coach for the university's flagship program, um, kind of bolts for lack of a better term and then that, that's not even uh and that's just stuff on my end and i know matt he's been in the process of moving and literally building an entire house from scratch even even as we speak here i'm looking at his uh, he's in his uh, basement and it looks like the one of the basements from saul <laughs> <laughs> yeah i told matt before we got started i said if you see jigsaw pop up behind me um you know just i guess just pray for me because it's not going to end well on my end yeah, but I mean, hey, no, it'd be a great intro to the pod. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, before we get started, too, I, I do want to apologize because the last two seasons, that's when I started covering Louisville baseball was two years ago. And the first season, COVID ended the Louisville's year. And then last year, they didn't make the tournament. So year three, if, if something goes haywire this year, I, I may just have to hang it up. I don't know, because it, I, I guess <laughs> I'm just going to have to take blame for this. 
See, at least you're not the only one because I remember I came back to Louisville coming from the Georgia Tech beat. I think my cup, there was a men's basketball game on the 1st of March, and then less than two weeks later, COVID hits. So, yeah. Right, so, the, the, so we the, can blame that on you. We'll blame that on me, and we're going to blame Louisville missing a tournament last year on you. So I guess I'll take that one. All right, let's <laughs> let's dive right into things. Now we've kind of spoiled spoiled the uh, the intro part of this podcast. So because bef- before we get into the actual scene, I want to give you guys kind of like a an off season primer just to kind of get everyone up to speed. Now last year, let's kind of backtrack just a little bit farther. With about a month left in the regular season, Louisville was ranked as high as the number four team in the country. And I mean, at that point, where you and I are talking about, okay. Who are some regional matchups we're looking forward to? Who do we want to face? Who do we not want to face? Who are some good draws? Yada, yada, yada. And then in the final month of the season, for lack of a better term, like the wheels just completely fell off the bus. I know out of out of their four, I believe it was four ACC series left from that point, they got swept in three of them. And then they got their hearts absolutely ripped out by Georgia Tech in the ACC tournament on – yeah, Louisville had not one but two extra innings home runs to pull ahead and then still lost. <laughs> so right. as a result, Louisville ended up going 28 and 22 last year, missing the NCAA tournament completely. I, don't, I can't remember if they did like a a last, like first four out or anything of that nature like they do with basketball. I don't think they do in baseball. I don't remember. I don't think they do, but I can almost assure you they probably would have been somewhere around that mark because they still had a relatively worthy resume that's piled up well a lot of unnecessary wins but anyways they missed the big dance first time since 2011 and only the second time under head coach Sam McDonald that they've missed the NCAA tournament period and he's go, he's entering in the 16th season so I mean that's a it's a model of consistency right there and not only that they missed the tournament but they lost a lot of guys to mm-hmm. The MLB draft, graduation, poorly, yada, yada, yada. But that I know that's something that Louisville baseball is really used to doing because, I mean, when you produce the amount of high-level talent that they do, I mean, there's going to be a high amount of roster turnover year in and year out. But it was, it was really bad for this reason. A lot of people decided to come back after 2020 was cut short. Like a lot of people, a lot of, I mean, players as a whole were given an additional year to their, their window in which they could compete. So guys that would normally be leaving the program after the 2020 season, they came back for 2021. So add in all the people that were already going to leave after this past season, regardless, and add in the players who normally wouldn't even be there to begin with. And Louisville lost a lot of guys. They lost seven players to the major league draft and lost an additional seven to graduation in the portal. And let me just, let me just run down this list for you in the major league draft alone. And it was Henry Davis who goes number one overall to the Pirates. I mean, I had a feeling he might he he could be in contention for that, but even I was a little bit shocked that he got taken number one overall because of all the other players who were in play. They lost Alex Benellis, Cooper Bowman, Michael Kirian, Lucas Dunn, Luke Brown, Glenn Albanese. And that's just to the draft alone. You had guys like Luke Smith and Adam Elliott. They both graduated now. I know they didn't have all that great of seasons in the 2021, but they were still – they, they had their moments. And then to the portal, this has been with, I mean, with the advent of the transfer portal, well, not even with the advent of it, with its prevalence over the last several years, Louisville wasn't immune to, to losing some guys that Tim Borden, I believe is at Georgia tech right now. He, he yep. was an up and coming guy, Jack Perkins, who I, 
I was really high on. I thought he was going to have a good season. I think he's going to have a good season this year. I agree with that. He ends up transferring to uh, Indiana. Trey Leonard, he was a really underrated piece who kind of flew under the radar last season. He ends up transferring to Troy, I believe it was. Isn't Troy's head coach played at Louisville? Am Am I mistaken in that? I believe so. I know there's been some Louisville alumni get a couple jobs in this coaching carousel. That might be one, but I would have to double check. I know Zach Wasserman is now the uh, like an assistant coach Xavier now. I know I saw that in the last couple I weeks. See it the other day too, yeah. And then Kerry Wright, he end up ends up going to Houston, and Kellen Tulio, he he didn't enter the portal. I don't know, I don't know where he went. He's but at Penn State, I believe. Oh, is he? Oh, I think he's, I think he went to Penn State. Hmm. Well, well, there we go. Then he goes to Penn State. That's breaking news to me. But all that I say all that to say that Louisville lost a lot of guys on a team that already kind of was not even kind of underwhelming, was underwhelming last year. And I think the interesting thing about Louisville losing guys to the portal was, you know, Dan said this last year in his end of the season press conference that, you know, they weren't really interested in taking on new transfers in coming to the program. He said, you know, we've always got our eyes open. If they see somebody come up that wants to come here, obviously they would take them if they were, you know, worthy of being at Louisville. But he said, you know, he trusts the recruiting process. You know, he trusts uh, Eric Snyder, the recruiting coordinator, and the job that he's done. And he said, we're sticking with the guys we got, and that's the roster we're going to have next year. And he's been pretty confident with who he has. And, and he didn't take anybody. We don't have any incoming transfers that I'm aware of this year on the roster. Yeah, I've, I've managed to swipe a, a roster when I went to one of the scrimmages, and I don't see anyone on here that says prior school that was another D1 or even Juco place. It's all, it's all high schoolers. So, yeah, yeah I mean, the tra- freshmen that are coming in this year, but we don't, we, he didn't take on any transfers. Yeah, no, the, the transfer portal has never really been a huge part of the recruiting process for Dan McDonald. I mean, the most, the biggest one in recent years was when they brought on Luke Smith, and that was. And before him, I can't really think of anyone else who I think Seed was a transfer from a JUCO as well. But oh yeah, typically... Seed and Levi Usher were, yeah. So I but take it typically back. doesn't take yeah, but but those are JUCO kids. They're really not traditional transfer kids like we're talking about. So yeah, I, I can't remember an actual transfer that we've had in the past handful of seasons. Yeah, off the top of my head, I can't think of either. But anyways, they've more so relied on a you know, just player development. And at media day, coach Mack made a good point is that COVID played a huge role, not only just in canceling the 2020 season, but that's a pro Louisville is a program that's so heavy and invested in a player development that them essentially getting their entire 2020 season or off season, rather just get thrown out the window that a lot of the guys who were coming in as freshmen for this past season, or even sophomores to that extent, they they didn't have the offseason they were used to, and so their development and their progression was a little bit behind. So that kind of played into to, uh, the reason, other than like you know other extraneous factors like you know COVID and just very bad pitching down the stretch, quite frankly. <laughs> so all that being wrapped into this upcoming preseason, and now there's there's not a lot of hype. <laughs> I mean, normally we're we're uh, you and I would probably be breaking down like, oh, is Louisville overranked? Is Louisville underranked? Should such and such have been a preseason All-American? Should such and such have been first team All-SEC, second team, yada, yada, yada. Louisville's literally had none of that. 
They are unranked in any major preseason top 25. I actually went looking, and the only place they're even remotely mentioned is with a collegiate baseball newspaper, but that's only because they do a preseason top 50. Now, granted, Louisville was 26, so they're literally right there, but I mean, when a, pro, a program like Louisville is not used to just having such little preseason, preseason hype and kind of adding to that, they didn't have any preseason All-Americans. They didn't even have any preseason All-ACC selections, not first, second, third, honorable mention, nothing, nothing like that. And they were picked to finish fourth in their own division, not in the conference. They were picked to finish fourth in the Atlantic division. That's not exactly something where uh, we're used to Louisville seeing under McDonald. No, it's not. And, you know, the way Dan's talked recently, you can tell they're really coming into this season with a chip on their shoulder. And you can tell in the tone of his voice and, you know, some of the players' voices that they're just pissed off the way last season went and they're just ready, you know, for this season to get started. And it's something we've never really experienced out of Dan or the Louisville baseball program since he's been here because they've always kind of been – they've had a target on their back. But now he's, you know, getting to play the reverse role and – you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out because the ACC this year, they're very deep, but you don't have one team, maybe Florida State. I think Florida State is probably the favorite because they've got two their big arms coming back. But yeah. behind Florida State, I think it's it's wide open. If you look at the teams that receive votes, I don't have in front of me right now, but it was – there wasn't – you know, everybody was pretty close until you got to the bottom with Virginia Tech and Pitt and those guys. But everybody in the middle, it, you could tell it was kind of um, really just a crapshoot. There wasn't – there's not anybody right behind Florida State that's – you know, on their heels. I think, uh, if I remember correctly, Miami and Virginia were two of those teams in the mix. And I know Virginia didn't have a great season last year. And Miami, they were underwhelming because weren't they were – were they number one or did they defeat number one early in the season last year? They beat Florida. They beat Florida at Florida right. when they opened their new ballpark last season. Um, but Miami lost a ton. NC State's getting a little bit of preseason hype, but I think it's just because they went to Omaha last year. I, I really don't think they have a ton coming back. They made a – you know, that I don't want to go into that right now because the way their season ended <laughs> last year was awful. Oh my but, God. Yeah. I, 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 more, the more I kind of pay attention to how NC State athletics has gone over the last, the, the more I actually believe that quote unquote NC State shit is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it. You look at our university and NC State, and I guess they're pretty parallel right now with, with the things that have happened to them over the past handful of years. Oh my God. I don't even want to get into that. It's, it's just bad. But anyways, I'm glad that you, you said the exact words that Dan McDonald is pissed off because at media day, that was the exact phrase that he used. He said that given the lack, the not lack of success they had last year and not making the tournament, it's a team that is coming into the season pissed off and not happy with how they performed down the stretch last year, not happy with the fact that they didn't even get to the big dance and didn't even have a chance to get to Omaha. And I think it was uh, Cam Masterman that said, that said this. He said that uh, this upcoming season they're treating it as a revenge tour. And then Ben Metzinger kind of added to that, saying that they're treating wins and losses a lot differently this season. And they're they're – I'll have to pull up the exact quote because it was a good one, but he was basically saying that they're taking losses a lot more seriously this season because they can't afford they can't afford to rack them up like they did last year. Yeah, you know this season, and we'll get into the schedule a bit later, but they've got a pretty favorable schedule. So I, I think you know this team can make some noise this year. There's going to be a lot of faces that you know we're not familiar with. You've got the Metzingers, you've got the Mastermans, 
you know, we've got a lot of guys that are returning, but there's going to be a lot of new faces. It's going to take a little while for this team to get um, acclimated to things. So I think Louisville fans are just going to have to be patient with this team until yeah. McDonald really finds his nucleus of guys that he's going to use. And Dan always does that. He always uses the first, you know, 10, 12, 15 games to really find which lineups work for him. He, he always has done that in the past. But I think you're going to see that really more so this year than we really have in the past because we have so many young and not only young but inexperienced guys that maybe haven't played at this level before. Yeah, with, with the season only less than a week away, he's used – he, at this point, typically have some semblance of what the lineup's going to be like, who's going to play what in the field, what the starting rotation is like. I mean, it, it's still pretty much an open tryout, tryout now. And right. I just pulled up the quote that Ben Metrickner said because I did a, a really poor job of explaining it. He said, we set the standard this year. That's every single day. We're going to play like it's an elimination game every single game. We're a game or two away from making the tournament last year. And then we sat in this room, saying the Omaha room, and saw that we didn't make the tournament. And that was really tough on us. We're going to take winning and losing, losing more importantly, a lot more seriously. So, yeah, if, the, if that doesn't convey the message of a team that is, you know, hungry, I don't know what does. Because <laughs> this, is, this isn't typically what you're used to hearing Louisville players say during media day. Right. And I think the coaching staff and the players – they all understand, and then we're going to shy away from it. That last year wasn't Louisville baseball, right? No, you know they they know what this season means, and they've got to get back on track. And I think the, I think we'll see that from this squad. I think I think so too. And we're going to get to the schedule here in a little bit, but this this is a team, and we'll, I'll, we'll kind of break down who all is coming back. But this is a team who's probably going to lose a, a few non-conference games that we're not used to seeing. Mm-hmm. This is a team that's probably going to struggle a little bit the first two, three weeks of conference play. But if there is anyone to kind of guide this team and elevate some of these freshmen, because and we've seen it before, there's a freshman that we're not particularly talking about. And then by the middle of the year, we're like, where the hell did this kid come from? Right. And, con- and considering the amount of, relatively young and inexperienced players this team has, the potential is through the roof. Mm-hmm. Now, the ceiling is really high, but the floor is also really low. It's, it's going right. to be really interesting to see how it all plays out, at least in the first few weeks of the season. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break real quick, and when we come back, we're going to talk uh, about the team itself, position players, pitchers, and uh, talk a little bit about the schedule and what they have coming up. I'm kind of really excited about that. You. Yeah, you. Enjoying this podcast? Like sharing Louisville events and news with like-minded individuals? Love being a part of the Louisville community? This podcast is part of a first-of-its-kind podcast network at thestateofwilville.com. With daily news and opinions, seven podcasts, webcasts, and more, the State of Louisville is your home for anything and everything Louisville. Check them out at stateofwilville.com today. All right, we're back. Welcome back to Third and Central, your only Louisville baseball-centric podcast. At least I'm pretty sure it's the only one. There might be another one that's popped up here in the last few minutes, but yeah, we're going to roll with it. All right, now now we, we talked a little bit about in the previous segment about how young this team is and how a lot of young or relatively inexperienced players are getting thrust in the new positions. We're going to start with the position players because who doesn't like talking about offense? And let me just kind of break it down for you like this, guys. This is how much Louisville is bringing back in terms of production from last year. They're returning 29.7% of their hits, 23.5% of their home runs, 28.7% of their runs batted in, and 27.4% of their total bases. 
So for all intents and purposes, Louisville is only returning a fourth of their production from last year on a team that already did not make the NCAA tournament. So it's that's, that's what I mean when I say the ceiling is really high, but the floor can be really low because there's a lot of unknowns as to who's going to – I hate to even use this because because it's a, it's a pun if there ever was one. Who is going to step up to the plate and really deliver when the lights turn on? And I think that's a big thing. And you know, you mentioned earlier that the freshmen, the newcomers, the younger kids that haven't had the opportunity before, they're really they're they're going to have their chance now. And it, it's all going to be about who's going to step up um, because you know we know a couple of the guys returning and they also they've got to step up also. But which group or which you know few members of this freshman group or this young group are really going to step up um, and earn these at-bats. Because when you've – you're losing production like Henry Davis and Alex Benellis, um, Cooper Bowman, somebody has to make up for the production that um, they had last year. Oh, yeah, they have to or Louisville's going to be dead in the water. And that's not to say that this team is devoid of talent because they're absolutely not. There's still like a handful of really good guys in the field that are coming back. Oh yeah. Uh, first, the first one that comes to mind is is Christian Napchik. He was just a hair under batting 300. He had a line slash of two, 297, 374, 385, had 19 RBI as a true freshman shortstop. My one concern with him is that defensively, he is very boomer bust. He had some plays last year that kind of reminded you of a young Devin Harrison. And then there are other times where he just looked boneheaded because I think he had 11 errors last year. Which, yeah. I mean, as a freshman, you're going to make mistakes, but I'd like to see him kind of shore up his abilities there. And then one of my favorites coming back is uh, Cam Masterman. He had a – I mean, he, he didn't bat for bat for contact very very much. He's only hit 240. He had six home runs, 21 RBI, and he had several – there was a couple games where he just caught absolute fire. So he, he can get hot in a hurry. And we, we mentioned Ben Metzinger earlier. He, he's another guy who kind of – struggled a little bit at the play. He was batting sub sub 250 around 235, three homers, 10 RBIs. One guy that I'm really paying attention, at least in the first few weeks, to see how he responds from his season last year is Liam Usher. Because last year there was Henry Davis, Alex Benellis, and then Levi Usher, who were guys who were named to the Golden Spikes uh, preseason watch list. I believe it was those three. I know, I know there might've been a fourth, but yeah, it was okay. It was those. And given his base running acumen, uh, acumen, his ability to steal bases and kind of hit for contact with, it wasn't completely out of the question that he could really insert himself into the mix as not only one of the top outfielders in the nation, but one of the top players, man, I tell you what, he struggled. (laughs) I think (laughs) there was a, there was a period of time where I thought maybe I could probably put the ball and play better than he could. I mean, he hit, 216 he hit below the Mendoza line now he he did kind of get catch fire now I don't even want to say catch fire because I mean maybe catch fire from in terms of getting out of a slump but he did finish with three homers 17 RBI 26 stolen bases which isn't any nothing to snuff at but whenever you're entering in the season with golden spikes hype you expect to hit a little bit better than 216 I don't care if you're a power hitter or not and you know to add to that there's a couple other guys, you know, Dalton Rushing's coming back. He showed a lot of signs last year. I think it was against UK. He had a heck of a game. Um, he's got a ton of power and, you know, it looks like he's going to move behind the plate this year. So moving from first base to um, 
catching and he'll, you know, maybe DH a game or two. So, you know, get him out of lineup defensively. I'm excited to see what he's going to do and how he's going to produce this season. Uh, but yeah, Levi Usher, it, he's the guy for me this year. You know, what's he going to do? Because the numbers he put up last year aren't really the Levi Usher that we're used to seeing. Yeah. And I think we're really going to need his bat um, if, if, if this team's going to make any noise. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's because he's got the wheels to bat lead off or in the two hole or something. Because the way I've got it now, in, at least in terms of uh, starting lineup, I've got Usher leading off, Napchik right behind him. I've got Masterman and Metzinger in the three and the four holes. Behind them, I've got Dalton Rush and Ben Bianco, who could be someone who's mm-hmm. got popping his bat, but he's kind of been hit or miss. I mean, again, no pun intended. Chris Singh is, is a veteran outfielder who I have betting seventh. I've got a uh, true freshman, Logan Beard, at second. And then here's here's a surprise one. This is a guy when I went out to uh, watch a few scrimmages a couple weeks ago who looks kind of good. He he was able to crack the start the starting lineup in some of those scrimmages. At DH, I've got Curtis Reed. He's he's one of the young guys, and he, he looks pretty good. Now, granted, I didn't get out to as many scrimmages as I would have liked, so – this start, <clears throat> excuse me. This starting lineup could be completely wrong, but that that's just who I have now. And looking down it, there's a lot of guys who haven't gotten either haven't gotten a ton of reps in the past, or who are quite literally freshmen. But there's a lot of potential here. And specifically, I look at catcher. You were just talking about it. Dalton rushing. He's probably going to start the majority of games. But right behind him is Jack Payton, who is mm-hmm. who took a lot of reps behind uh, Henry Davis when Henry Davis didn't uh, wasn't catching the day and slid over to DH. So like I've kind of said ad nauseum at this point, there's a lot of potential with this team. I think a couple other guys, you know, yeah, I hate to start naming names of the freshman class because they was the, it was the number six ranked recruiting class according to perfect game. So there's a lot of, you know, good ball players that are coming that are going to be freshmen this year. And of that number six class, we only lost Dalen Lyle. He's the only one that we lost. The rest of them are right. on campus. So, you know, there's a lot of talent this year. But Drake Westcott, you know, he – I guess he was actually freshman last year, but he was on the all-decade team um, for PBR in Illinois, which – And Illinois is a hotbed for baseball talent. Well, if you look at the team, I think one of the birdies was on there. Funkhauser was on there. Corey Ray. I mean, it, it was a stacked team. And if you think Drake, West, Drake Westcott was one of the best players in Illinois – in the decade that he played high school baseball there, that's pretty impressive. Now, he, the couple of bats he got last year, he struggled and he didn't have a very good summer ball, but he's a name to keep an eye on. Noah Smith, he's a shortstop from Chicago. Like you said, Curtis Reed, you know, I, I think those are a couple of the younger guys uh, to keep an eye on that we may see crack the lineup this year. And heck, there could be someone that we're not even talking about right now start to start to get really hot in the middle of non-con right. play and start to cement a role there. All right, now let's kind of uh, move on to the pitcher's mound. Now, like we said, there's there's going to be that's there. There's a little bit of um, how do I say this? There's a lot of unknowns there as well, but more so because we we truly don't know who's going to have like the most defined roles. Normally at this point. We have some semblance who's going to be the Friday guy who's contending for the other spots in the weekend rotation, who we think could be the um, the midweek guy who's going to be like middle reliever who's contending for the closer. Even I, I thought I had some idea of who's going to be the closer. And then based off what Coach Max said at media day, it seems like the true closer role is like really up in the air now. 
I mean, I've got my guesses as to who I think is going to be in the rotation, but like I said, I could be wrong. And there could be some other guys who I haven't seen in scrimmages, like insert their mix into them. Now let me backtrack just a little bit. They, they did not lose as much as the position players did. They're bringing back 56.3% of their innings pitch and 58.3% of their strikeouts. Now, granted, they lost, I believe it was three of their top five pitchers last year in terms of um, innings pitch, which, you know, that's, that's a hefty amount of innings. Like, you're eating a lot of innings there. So that's a lot of it's a lot of other innings to kind of give to those younger guys or inexperienced guys. So there's a lot of unknowns there. But in the same breath, their overall ERA was five last year. That's 126th out of 286 teams who played last year. That's not good. That's not good at all. <laughs> Quite frankly, I mean, I, I really don't want to like point out names or anything, but in my opinion, yeah, the ball did kind of get rolling after I believe it was their series against Pitt got canceled before the Clemson series. And there were some guys who still kind of hit pretty, who were pretty cold at the plate. But if, if you had to, asked me like what the true main reason that Louisville went just cold down the stretch, it was pitching because there were several games where they gave up double digit runs. Hell in, in that Clemson series that kind of kicked off that slide, two of those three games, they gave up like 10, 11, 12 runs or something of that nature. So, so that, that is something that drastically has to improve for. And it, is, it wasn't, you know, even to isolate even more on pitching, it seemed like it was – they just gave up a ton of home runs. It, you know, it wasn't just oh, giving yeah. up, you know, a bunch of singles and doubles, you know, teams, you know, getting somebody on, moving them over to second, and then driving them in. It, it just seemed like teams were just teeing off on Louisville last year. You know, what's his name for Clemson? Grice. I think he hit like oh, a dozen God, home yeah. runs in that one weekend by himself. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like every weekend it was, you know, didn't Louisville he hit three homers? Didn't he hit in three homers day. in one game? Yeah. Oh god. Yeah, that, yeah, that was, was bad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at it up now. They gave up 64 home runs last year in 50 games. <laughs> 50 games. Yeah. <laughs> that's over a home run per game for. That's not good. Home. Yeah. No. That that's not good at all. And, and and this is we we've gotten kind of used to. Now, there are some guys who kind of get snake bitten by the home run ball, but at least they kind of do a good job of rebounding back. But last year, not only did they give a bunch of long balls, they just kind of got right up to the point where they were just letting anyone get on base. And that that has potential to maybe rear its ugly head this year with the amount of young guys that are they're being thrust into new roles. But again, like I've already said, they've really got to kind of impose their will in the first couple of weeks to kind of get the ball rolling there and get some momentum going so, so that it doesn't just completely collapse towards the end. They want to make sure it co- doesn't collapse before, it, like right out of the gates. Otherwise, the season's pretty much dead in the water right there. But kind of with the uh, position players, there are some noteworthy guys returning. Uh, in terms of like just pure ERA, the top returner is, Luke, like you said, Luke Sieg, the, the guy who he, – he was the midweek guy last season and towards the – the, and I think the, the second half of the season, he, he was moved to Sunday, I believe it was. I think you're right. Might, I think he might have even pitched like a Friday or a Saturday at some point after Kirian was moved out of the starting rotation and back into the bullpen. But he, he's statistically, he had arguably one of the better years 
out of the entire staff last year, 2.64 ERA, 47.2 innings pitched, 44 strikeouts, 29 balls. I mean, that's not bad for a midway guy because, I mean, you and I have watched plenty of midway games. Those are <laughs> those are games where <laughs> anything can happen. And the, and the runs rough. produce – oh, God, yeah. The runs can just go through the roof. And to to have an ER that ERA that low, considering about half of the season was probably coming off midweek games, that's that's not bad at all. That's actually kind of impressive. And then you got another lefty, Tate Keener. He's got a 3.55 ERA, similar innings pitched. 56 strikeouts, 24 walks. So statistically from just getting strikeouts, he's better. And they are two of the candidates to kind of take over in the starting rotation. I know Seed was already in the starting rotation, but I think he, if you ask me, he's probably got the highest likelihood of maybe becoming the quote unquote ace. Now there's other guys like Keener or even guys like Michael Prosecchi who could be that guy. But if, if you ask me, unless there's something that I didn't see over the summer, I think either Seed or Prosecchi has the highest likelihood of getting the Friday night spot. The way I've got it now is that I've got Seed, Prosecchi, and then Carter Lohman as my pitching rotation. And then I, I really didn't want to assign someone as midway because there's so many options. But I ended up going with righty Jared Poland. Uh, he was two-way to start his career, but he kind of settled in on the pitching aspect of things. But like I said, I've I've got what I think is what the lineup and everything is going to look like that first weekend, but it could be I could be dead ass wrong. Well, and like we said earlier, you know, McDonald and Roger Williams does the same thing with a pitching staff. He's gonna try out, you know, probably a dozen different guys in the rotation until he settles on really who's gonna start. Cause like right. you said, Seed's probably going into the season the guy just based off last year. And then like you said, Keener, Prosecchi. Ryan Hawks, you know, he's a guy a couple years ago um, pitched, but then he he got hurt. Did he have Tommy Johns maybe? Am I wrong? I think he had Tommy Johns and missed all of last year. And he's know, back. Someone on the roster had Tommy Johns. I can't remember who, though. You might so be I right. Th- I think – anyways, Hawks missed all of last year. I don't know what – anyway, he had some type of injury. So, he's back this year. A couple years ago, he was the Gatorade Player of the Year in Kentucky at down in Bowling Green at Warren East, I believe. So, mm-hmm. kids got some talent, you know, and, and he did pitch a couple of games at Louisville a couple of years ago. So, he may be an option. You know, there's a handful of guys there, but it's just who's going to settle in and, you know, really cement their names in those roles. Because I think, like you said, just to echo what you've said, what Max said, all three of those spots are up for grabs. No one's name. You know, we don't have a Reed Detmers. We don't have a Bobby Miller on this staff that's – going to be the one and two guy so all three of them are wide open right and, and another guy i think a dark horse candidate to maybe start out oh god i, I just had him down here just give me a second. oh yeah will coger because mm-hmm. last year yeah last year it was a 20 is a 20 round draft now it's normally a 40 round draft and if this was a normal draft i mean coger is a true freshman he he probably would have gotten uh selected i'm actually shocked that he did not go in the major league draft because i think he was trending towards somewhere between round 10 and 20 based on all of the MLB draft pr- uh, projections that I saw. And I, I knew that Louisville was going to lose Dalen Lyle. Cause I mean, he's, yeah. he's too damn good. I mean, that was a pipe dream of him coming, but then it was kind of up in the air. If Coger was going to, if was going to make it to campus because yeah, he could get drafted, but then we've seen in the past where uh, someone from like a Louisville recruit gets drafted and you think they're going to come, but then, the team kind of pulls in more money to him to that pick to bring him yep. in. Who who was the guy 
this pa- not the past draft, but the draft before that, who got chosen by the Diamondbacks and he ended up leaving because uh, they AJ Vukovic. Him. Yes. No, yeah. wait, he wasn't he with the White Sox? Or am I thinking? I think he's with the Diamondbacks. No, you're right. It was Vukovic. I was thinking of a JUCO transfer who was who was supposed to come to Louisville, who ended up getting drafted. By that the White was Addison yeah. Coffee. Yeah, that was Coffee. That's right. Yeah, he got but drafted yeah, no. by the White Sox. Yeah, no. Uh, Vukovic. He ended up getting drafted by. I don't want to say a low pick, but a lower than what you would expect from like a blue chip high school talent. And then the Diamondbacks paid close to like triple to what his draft value yeah, was. And they paid him a boatload of money. And we could have used him last year and this year. So he, he would have been nice to have. But I think Koger is another one to keep an eye on, too. He's from Bardstown, so not far from Louisville. Um, but perfect game had him around 100, maybe 110, 112 um, in the country last year. So I think he's a guy that could step in and be one of the starters this year. Yeah, and, and honestly, we're talking all about, like, guys who are going to be in the starting rotation or contending for starting spots. But someone who I am most excited about this year is Caleb Corbett, yes. the freshman sensation from last year. He kind of – now he did kind of tail off towards the second half of the season, but I believe he didn't allow an earned run over his first, like, 12 appearances or something like that i mean the the kid was electric out of the closer spot he ended up finishing the season with a 3.58 era 27.2 innings pitch 33 strikeouts to 10 walks and that's just a true freshman so i'm i'm excited to see how he progresses from his freshman season to a sophomore campaign i'm also interested to see if he's going to stick in that closer role i would before me today, I had every inclination to believe that he was he was going to, but it seems like closer spots just kind of up for grabs for everyone. I don't know if that's an indictment on what he's done up to this point or what everyone else has done up to this point to kind of catch up to him. But I'm we're we're gonna have answers uh, soon enough. We're gonna have our answers in six days. I'm not sure when we get this posted, but I'm sure it's within a week, so you'll be fine. Well, and I think uh, the, one of the biggest storylines I think about Corbett before we hop into the next thing, if everything we've talked about tonight and everything in the schedule we're about to talk about, the biggest storyline, I think, for Louisville baseball this year is did they find a hat to fit Caleb Corbett's head? (laughs) I forgot about that. Every pitch he threw last year, his hat came off. Like 100% of the pitches he threw last year, his hat was on the ground. Oh, my God. The funniest thing. I'm glad you mentioned that. I completely (laughs) forgot about that. They need they need to get one of those like expandable straps and like wrap it around his ear just to keep it on his head. I don't know what it is or why I can't keep a hat on. There was one hat. I don't remember which one it was. We talked about it last year. There was one version of the twenty five hats that they wear that seemed to fit him a little bit better than the rest. But uh, it it, it still like fell. Every, <laughs> every, every time he hit the mound, his his hat hit the ground. It, uh, I don't think he's got that big of a head. Does no. he have like an odd, oddly shaped head or something? I don't know. I don't know. It was really strange. It was strange, but all right. Now we've kind of alluded to like how they might struggle in non-con and in the start of conference play. So let's let's dive into the schedule, shall we? So last year it was all a little bit because of COVID. The ACC, well, the overall amount of games kind of scaled back, and the amount of conference games was increased because you know the ACC wanted to have all of their uh, programs on kind of equal footing when it comes to like COVID protocols or whatnot. But now things are kind of sort of back to normal. I don't know. I don't as normal as normal can get right now. So 
We're back to a 56-game schedule, baby. And best of all, 35 of those games are at Jim Patterson Stadium. So this season is going to get kicked off. Um, I don't know what kicked off. I don't know if that's the right phrase for a baseball podcast, but whatever. It gets kicked off down in uh, down in Florida, actually. It's not getting started here in Louisville. They're going to get started with Charlotte on – oh, God, I should have the schedule right in front of me. They're going to get kicked off with Charlotte on February 18th. First pitch is 2 p.m. That's a Friday. So they're, they're playing three different teams down in Tampa. They're playing Charlotte, following that up with South Florida, and then ending the weekend with uh, a matchup with UConn. Now, they, those aren't superimposing names when you first look at that, but think about it like this. All three of those guys made the tournament last year and Louisville didn't. So they should be Connecticut's getting some preseason top 25 love from a couple of the polls too. I don't think they're across the board, but I think they're – I have seen their name pop up a couple of times, so they could give us some fits. Yeah, I know UConn's got a couple high-quality pitchers. I, I can't remember who they are off the top of my head because my phone gets like 250, 300 notifications a day. And it, it wouldn't surprise of- me if – UConn saved their ace till Sunday to oh, throw yeah. them against us. So, you know, Charlotte and South Florida, I, I could see them holding their ace till till Sunday morning at 9 a.m., by the way. Um, yeah, no kidding. So yeah, I can, that, I can that, that'll be a good challenge that. to start the season. Oh, yeah. And then after that trio of games, kind of get the season started. Louisville comes back, has their home opener against Xavier on February 22nd. And most importantly, that kicks off an 18-game stretch where all of those games are coming at home. If there's anything, anything that I took away from the baseball leadoff dinner that I went to a couple weeks, uh, Dan McDonald was expressing the importance of, hey, baseball is actually going on in the month of February. Because <laughs> even though he is heading into his 16th season, he still – like he, he told a funny story. Let me backtrack that a little bit. He told a story about how he was shopping in Kroger – in like early mid-March, somewhere around there. And then he, a fan came up to him and I said, hi, I struck up a conversation with him. And the fan said, well, when are you guys going to get started? <laughs> well, the, uh, the season's been started for a month now. So, <laughs> a couple weeks ago? <laughs> more than a couple weeks ago. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, he, he, he made damn sure to kind of express the importance of, hey, we've got almost 20 home games consecutively to kind of kick off the season. And they're not filler games. There's a there's a couple really yeah. good opponents. I know in the same week, let me just kind of go in, in order. They kick off against Xavier. They got a series with Dartmouth. Midweek versus Moorhead State, series with Akron. Their fourth week of the season, midweek is against TCU. Pretty good program right there. Mm-hmm. And then their, their weekend series at Jim Patterson Stadium that week is against Michigan who made it to the College World Series final. What was it last year or two seasons ago? I, let's see. I guess three seasons because the, the year before was COVID. So it was the year season for that. So I guess it's oh, really been three God, seasons. Yeah. yeah. Why did I feel like that was last year? Good Lord. I'm, I'm going to sound awful for this and an awful baseball person, but who was in the final last year with Vanderbilt? Mississippi State. Mississippi, I mean, Mississippi State won it. Oh, good Lord. I'm <laughs> It all runs is, together. It all runs together. It really all does run together. <laughs> uh, my brain's been so scattered the last two weeks covering this damn men's basketball coaching search. <laughs> Not to bring in another sport to this podcast, but yeah, that's <laughs> that's why my brain is just scrambled eggs right now. But anyways, uh, 18 straight home games. It's a slate with a lot of high-quality competition, TCU and Michigan. Then after that, you've got NKU, Bellarmine, 
series with Notre Dame, and that kind of ki- that kicks off uh, ACC play. That series is starting on March 18th. And this is the slate of uh, ACC opponents who are coming to Jim, Tar- to Jim Patterson Stadium this year. Notre Dame, North Carolina, NC State, Clemson, and Virginia. It's, it's not a half-bad slate of conference opponents. It's Notre Dame. We saw they, how good they've been under their uh, head coach, Link Jarrett. UNC, let's see if they'll, re- they'll, if they'll rebound from last year. NC State, they're getting a little bit of love. Clemson, we'll see. And Virginia, they're also, I think, in the top two or three favorites who, uh, for the Atlantic Division. So it's a really solid slate of home conference games. And then on the road, they go to Boston College, who's is, they're going to have a tough season this year. They've got Pitt. Florida State's always good. Wake Forest could be in for a decent year. And then Virginia Tech. So no matter how you slice it, Conference play is not going to be easy. Then. And that's that's partially why I say they might struggle over the first weekends of conference play because Notre Dame, even though it's at home, they're really good. Then they go to Boston College. Then they go to Pitt. So it's, I, I think the ACC schedule works out in our favor this year, too, because you think you host Notre Dame, Virginia, you host two of the better teams on the schedule. And you travel to Boston College and Pitt, I mean, those those programs are historically really bad. So you know if you yeah. could, you think if you can go go to uh, Massachusetts and up to Pittsburgh and still, you know, you don't think you're going to sweep both of them. You'd like to, but you know, still five or six games in ACC, that'd be nice to come back. And then same thing in Blacksburg, Virginia Tech. They've got that one outfielder, uh, Gavin Cross, I believe is his name. He's one mm-hmm. of the top outfielders in the draft. But outside of that, Virginia Tech really doesn't have much. So the schedule is really set up to pre- be pretty favorable for Louisville this year. Yeah, all, all of their tougher ACCs, uh, most of their tough ACC opponents are at home. home. A lot of, and then a lot of the, I don't want to say weaker ones because I mean you can lose to anyone in baseball, but some of the quote unquote weaker ones are kind of on the yeah. road. So like yeah, like you said, it, it does kind of bode well for Louisville. And then and that's just conference play. Let's let's kind of break down who else is who are some of the more noteworthy teams that are on the schedule. We've of course they play WKE twice. They go to their place on March 29th. They come home on April 29th. And I know I th- I'm pretty sure I'm looking it up now. There's only, yeah, their road game at Western Kentucky is the only one that's not going to be readily streamed on television. <laughs> and I mean, there's going to be some of the games are going to be on like SEC Network Plus, ACC Network Plus, ACC Network, ESPN. But that road game at Western Kentucky, I kid you not, is being streamed on Facebook Watch. <laughs> You know, you see that from time to time from smaller conferences like that. And I'd, I've never watched one of the games, but I I guess I'm looking forward to seeing the quality of that, I guess, question mark. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm not shocked because I'm, I'm honestly, I shouldn't even complain because the last couple of years, um, I don't even think the away game for the West Kentucky series has even been televised, period. So I've had to just kind of rely on stat broadcast to watch this. So I guess I should be thankful that I can watch it at all. I was doing some training down in Bowling Green a couple of years ago and went and watched. They were playing. I don't remember who they were playing. I wasn't Louisville. I was just a random Tuesday night or something like that. I went and watched them. It's a good place to watch a baseball game. So if anybody can make it down there, it's Bowling Green's a fun town to go to, and it's a nice venue to watch college baseball. Yeah, it's pretty nice. I, I passed by when I drove down to West Kentucky to watch the uh, the men's basketball team get their ass kicked by the Hilltoppers. <laughs> and it <laughs> I've been doing a lot of crapping on the men's team tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wonder why. This is going on. Yeah, nothing, nothing at all. Nothing, nothing at all. But anyway, so that's that's Western. And then the the games that people around here really care about. Kentucky, 
first game for the Louisville Kentucky series is going to be in Lexington. That game is going to be on April 5th. And then Louisville returns home to face Kentucky two weeks later on April 19th, April 5th, April 19th. Circle those two days in your calendars, folks. And then they also are back to playing since no, not back to playing Cincinnati. They played them last year. They play Cincinnati at Jim Patterson Stadium on April 12th. They go to Vanderbilt this year mm-hmm. on May 3rd. And then they're back to playing Indiana after they ha- they couldn't fit them on the schedule last year. They'll be playing them, I believe it's the final midweek of the year. They play them on May 10th. I'm checking now. No, it's the second to last midweek. The last the last midweek against is against Eastern Kentucky for we owe them one or two. Oh my god, yeah, you're right. I don't and Moorhead. All the above after last yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Yes, all the, those wins that kind of squeaked away from them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, top to bottom, there's there's this isn't a schedule that's half bad. I mean, I, I know we probably say that every year about when it comes to schedule talk with the Louisville baseball program, but now that it's back to a full slate, you've got a, a non-con schedule that can both kind of prepare some of the younger guys, and it's got marquee opponents. The conference makeup is relatively favorable for Louisville, and then you add in some more non-conference foes. You've you got like your full complement of play of teams who you're used to facing year in and year out. So when it was first released, I, I was happy. I was satisfied. Yeah. I, I don't think there was really anything that I could have added or tweaked. And I mean, I've been clamoring for years that the, if they're going to play Cincinnati, I know they're playing Cincinnati here in Louisville this year, but if they're going to play Cincinnati and they go on the road to Cincinnati, they need to play them in great American ballpark again. How fun they did would that. that be? Oh, they, they did it in 2013, I believe. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. It, it's been a while. And if anyone from the Louisville baseball program is listening to me, get get it done. Maybe not this year, but next year. If, if they're list, if, if since they're listening, if if I've got one suggestion to add, I saw this Georgia and Georgia <laughs> Tech are doing this this year, and I thought it was the coolest thing. So they're playing. They play each other every year, like we play Kentucky. But instead mm-hmm. of playing a home and home. They're playing a weekend series, but one of them's at Georgia, one of them's at Georgia Tech, and then the other one, I believe, is at a neutral site, and I don't know where. Um, But how cool would that be to play at Jim Patterson Stadium, play in Lexington, and then go play, you know, a third game at Louisville Slugger Field or play the third game at the Legends Ballpark down in Lexington? Like, how fun would that be to play, like, a three-game series but kind of travel around the state instead of playing just a home-and-home on a Wednesday night at 8 o'clock? Oh, I would personally love it. And I and it's funny you mentioned that series in particular because I was originally going to cover that, but it was the weekend that I was leaving Atlanta to come back to Louisville. So I have I they done that, that for years? Um, no, I don't believe so. I think this was something new they did. And the, the neutral side venue now, I know Louisville, the city of Louisville can't do anything close to this, but the neutral side venue was actually uh Truist Park. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. I I think um when I leave, when I left that season, they they altered it because I think they moved it to Cool Ray Park, which is where the Gwinnett Stripers play out, out yeah. close to Athens or whatnot. But yeah, no, I, I would love to see that. I'd love to see them play an actual series where they can determine like who won or lost, quote unquote, each year. And now, yeah, yeah, you've got the home in a way for the midweeks, but I mean, they could still split it, and you can. It's, yeah, I it seems like more like, recently Louisville's kind of dominated that series but you know back in the past you know when they would split it's like oh well we beat you here you beat us there like we don't know who's better 
Um, right. We yeah. Obviously know, we know who's better, but you know, if they beat us <laughs> one game, we beat them one game. They could, they could at least have that leg to stand on. But if we play three game series, um, we can decide it real quick. Oh yeah. That, that'll take care of those bragging rights real quick. <laughs> All right. So uh, I, I think I'll do it for this episode before we put a bow tie on this one. Is there anything you'd like to add or discuss? I don't think so. I'm just super excited about college baseball. We are what, six days away as mm-hmm. of now. So, you know, next Friday at 2 p.m. Uh, I'm not going to get any work done that day. Um, <laughs> next Friday at 2 p.m. I'll be glued to my phone in my office watching Louisville take on Charlotte. And it, I'm, I'm just really eager about what this lineup's going to look like. I think that's the biggest thing for me right now because we have no idea, you know. Oh, yeah. And, I, and I'm sure that's it. But, yeah. And I'm sure it's going to fluctuate. Yeah, most times that weekend. I mean, I'd be shocked if he sticks with the same lineup the entire weekend. All right. So just to kind of recap for everyone, Louisville baseball, they get their season started on Friday, February 18th. First pitch is at 2 p.m. against Charlotte down in Tampa, Florida. They'll have a couple games on Saturday and Sunday against South Florida, Connecticut. Their home op- their home opener is slated for Tuesday, February 22nd at 3 p.m. against Savior. If you can't make it out to Jim Patterson Stadium, you can also always wa- uh, listen to it on the radio or watch it on ACC Network Extra. And if you can if you can afford to, whether it be from a money standpoint or a time standpoint, make it out to the games. I mean, don't be like that guy in Kroger that goes up to Coach Mack a month into the season and asks him when the games are played. <laughs> I mean, especially Spain's have been dying right now for some good news. You know, you got women, women's basketball, but the way the uh, football season and basketball season are have ended or are about to end, um, you know, Louisville fans are dying to get out and watch some Louisville sports and have some success. So get out there and support the baseball team this year. Absolutely. They deserve it, especially since it might be a little bit of a struggle over that first month. They could use all the support they get. Anyways, this has been another episode of the Third and Central Podcast. You can find me, Matt McGavick, on Twitter at Matt underscore McGavick. You can find my work over at SI.com slash college slash Louisville with Sports Illustrated's Louisville Report. Matt, my friend, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Matt Sefkovic, or you can find me at um, CardChronicle.com. Yeah, I forget you, you, you write for them. I, I first, I don't know why I still thought you were with rivals. It, it's well, with, with just doing baseball, I, I don't write much until now, so it'll get started yeah, here true. soon. So I haven't been posting much recently, but that'll that'll change here in just a couple days. I can't wait, man. And just kind of wrap this episode up in the immortal words of Sean Moth, who, despite retiring from PA duties, is going to be on every single radio broadcast this year. I know I'm kind of squeeze, squeezing that one in towards the end. In his immortal words, we'll see you at the ballpark. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.